Hey, it's Andy. Thank you so much for joining. I know throughout most of this quarantine, we've been trying to make this podcast an escape from everything that's going on in the outside world. But unfortunately, our favorite things keep intersecting with the outside world. Today's guest is Grant Pinkerton. He owns Pinkerton's Barbecue in Houston. It's one of the great barbecue joints in the whole country. It's fairly new, but has established itself very quickly as one of the best. But just like any other restaurant in this day and age, it's going through some tough times right now, and Grant has had to make a lot of adjustments to keep it going. You'll find out exactly what he's had to do in the last few weeks just to make sure he has a sustainable business going forward. We'll also talk about how he got into the barbecue business, and of course, he is a huge Texas Longhorns fan, was at every single game last year. We're going to talk a little bit of Texas with him and talk about his hopes for the future of the Longhorns, because he's seen them at their best, he's seen them at their most mediocre, and now he's he's ready for a resurgence. So here is Grant Pinkerton. Welcome now, Grant Pinkerton, Pinkerton's Barbecue in Houston. One of the great pitmasters in America, also a giant, giant Texas Longhorns fan, and I think I, Grant, I probably found out about you through Herb Hand, the offensive line coach at Texas, because I think he he ate at your place while recruiting, and and then tweeted about it, and then of course I had to go the next time I was in Houston, and it's amazing, but I, I wanted to talk to you because this is a this is a time when the restaurant business is in is in peril. And, you know, what has it been like for you these, these last few weeks? Uh, it's been a, it's a pretty, it is a very interesting time to be in the restaurant business. Um, definitely not the best of times, but, um, for us, we, we took a different approach here and I took a different approach. You know, we're a, a very traditional, as you, you know, you've been here, a very traditional barbecue restaurant. We don't do any phone in orders. We don't, do uh you know we do takeout but you have to come through a line and go through and get served and the meat's cut in front of you and um and this uh in this day and in time that is literally impossible to do so um we decided and i decided that we were going to take a a week off and me and then some of my staff members got together and thought about what, what, what would work in this kind of new environment and, you know, how could we keep some of our traditional menu items on, um, and introduce new stuff that could, you know, the community would be able to support us and we, you know, we'd be a spot where people could frequent more than once. And there's, there's some of us out there that like to eat barbecue four times a week, but that's not everybody. Um, yeah, I, I, that would be me. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I would, I would happily do that. Right. So, you know, so we took that week off. Everybody else kind of stayed open. We kind of hunkered down. I designed a new menu. And essentially, we completely did a 180-degree concept change and opened up a new restaurant in the same spot temporarily as Pinkerton's Barbecue. It's so-called Pinkerton's Barbecue, but it is, you know, a call-in, take-out, to-go, curbside, short-order menu. We do offer brisket, ribs, 
and sausage by the pound um, every day in a limited quantity. But the bulk of our menu are now all short order items um, that range from stuff that, you know, is comfort foods. You know, this is an interesting time for everybody. Everybody's nervous, scared, ha- you know, ha- experiencing some sort of fear on some level. What do Americans really want right now? What makes you feel good? You want comfort food, whether it's the Frito pot that you used to eat as a little leaguer or, um, you know, duck and sausage jambalaya or gumbo or uh, meatloaf that tastes like your mom's, you know, just stuff that makes us feel good to eat. Um, so we rolled out this comfort food menu. Um, and also so that people in the neighborhood can come here more than once a week. You know, one day you can get a salad. The next day you can get meatloaf. The next day you can get smoked chicken wings. Um, so that allows people who support us uh, to have an easier time returning and coming back day after day to um, patronize our business. So how are people uh, – so by the way, the duck sausage jambalaya, if you are in Houston, just go get some right now because when, when Grant says comfort food, this is maybe the most comfortable, comforting comfort food that you're going to have. That that stuff is so velvety smooth. It's just – oh, I, I love it. Um but how how are people responding to this? Because obviously, you know, I would think your core customer base, they're, you know, brisket, candy paint ribs, sausage. You know, how are they, how are they liking the new stuff? Um, so far, they love it. Um, things have been going re- pretty well. I mean, I, I, I asked somebody asked me how we were doing yesterday. And I said on a normal Friday, um, or Saturday or Sunday, we would do somewhere between 800 and a thousand pounds of brisket each day. Wow. And yesterday we cooked eight briskets. Wow. And that's, so, so that would be what? 200 pounds at that? Eight, less than 200 pounds. Wow. wow. You know, so we, you know, they, that's a scale of how different things have gotten. You know, I think, you know, two thirds of our staff at the time is on hiatus. Um, you know, it's skeleton crew. My old cashier is now an expo person. My manager is a cook. You know, I mean, things are everybody's pitching in where they can. Like I, I when I was driving home last night, I'd been here for 13 hours, and I was driving home last night and talking to my fiance, who we were supposed to get married today. We've postponed that too. Oh my uh, lord! Oh, that's yeah. That, th- this was the Luckenbach. That that was your yeah. wedding you were talking about on Twitter. Holy cow! Yep. And uh, so we're, we're driving home, and I'm like, you know, honestly, I see this week is going pretty good, considering we thought of a new restaurant in a week, and got the menu going, and then implemented it and opened it for the end of the first week of service. I'd say we're knocking it out of the park. I said, but that is no small feat. Anybody who's been in the restaurant business or knows anything about it. It's kind of like, I can't believe we just did that. I'm really proud of the staff and everything and all, all the guys that have helped. But that's a pretty remarkable feat in of itself. And if you kind of look around to other industries, too, during this time, there's a lot of people who are doing remarkable stuff to keep their business floating, going. You know, it's it, our philosophy and our motto here right now is adapt. Well, that, so, that's what I'm, I'm wondering as this goes through and, and when life does get back to normal, how much of this adaptation for survival's sake, will turn into innovation. Yeah, well, I can tell you one thing, that we'll have chicken wings on the menu because we sold <laughs> a thousand chicken wings yesterday. The, the, the photos look unreal. 
So, I mean, I, I'm in Florida. I can't go get them now, but I the next time I'm in Houston, I am. I hope they're on the menu because the the, the photos are, are making my mouth water on the computer. So I can't even imagine what they're like in person. And the the gold sauce, it sounds like, is the is the the runaway hit. It is. So like, I have to give a little nod to North Carolina, you know. But I have my own version of gold sauce, and. Um, you know, it's a mustard base. It's like a smoke, kind of a smoky well, honey mustard. So I was born in Columbia, South Carolina. So I thought mustard-based barbecue sauce was normal for the first seven years of my life. I, I didn't know I was weird until I, we moved to Florida and people told me I was weird. So uh, I'm, I'm with it. I, I'm glad that, that there's folks in Texas that appreciate the glory of a good mustard-based barbecue sauce. Well, it's funny. You know, like our original sauce has a lot of mu- mustard in it too, which is which is different for around here. Um, and <laughs> You know, people ask, like, oh, I really like that sauce. You know, what's in it? You tell them mustard, and they kind of give you the, the big eye, you oh, know? Yeah. Like, oh, there's ketchup no, in there, it, too. There's ketchup <laughs> in there, too. And they're like, okay, well, I guess it is barbecue sauce then. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. People just don't – you got to taste it to understand. If, if you, You're going to be turned off by – if you just think about it. You do mustard on, on meat, uh, you know, not a burger, not, not a hot dog. Try, just, just let it happen. It's it's good, but so I I wondered how did you decide this is what you wanted to do? How do you get into the the barbecue business? Um, by accident. Um, it was you know I guess it was meant it was meant to be. Um, I was a I, I when I was growing up I absolutely loved cooking and I kind of was one of those kids that jumped in the kitchen when they were little nine ten years old started doing some grilling with my dad that kind of stuff and then by the time I was 12 I'd a- I asked my dad for a barbecue pit uh for Christmas and um he bought one and you know we started I started smoking meat on it and I, we'd go to the butcher shop and I'd pick out a different cut and bring it home it was just something that I had an interest in it was a, it was fun to take a spend a Saturday tinkering with a fire and burning stuff when you were 13 years old. I thought that Absolutely. was the thing in the world, right? And uh, I got into high school and went to um, a high school here in the middle of Houston called Lamar High School. If you're a recruiting person, oh, yeah. you might have read Absolutely. about Lamar High School. little mini Houston powerhouse over here. And uh, they, they played football and they offered an agriculture class there. And so I learned how to weld and build barbecue pits and stuff just for fun because it was a, one of those classes that you could take and not really do anything, get an A and hang out and play with welders. So I got in there and did some FFA and raised some livestock and started barbecuing with friends on the weekend. And I actually did my first whole hog pig roast for the neighborhood when I was 16 wow. with a hog that I'd raised. And I didn't think anything of it at the time. And then in like retrospect, I'm like, that should have been foreshadowing that I might have had some barbecue skill or something if I was able to pull off whole hog barbecue as a 16-year-old. Well, yeah. Um, I, I've never heard of anybody doing that unless they grew up in one of those families, unless you're, you know, the, the, the family from, from Aiden, North Carolina, the, the Jones family, you know, and, and then you grew up in it in your entire life. I, I can't right. imagine somebody just... You, well, one asking dad for the barbecue pit for Christmas at twelve is unbelievable. Now, and, and then you're making pits in high school. What was the what was the most creative thing you ever made a pit out of, or or were you just you know using barrels and 
more standard yeah, stuff. Yeah, we used uh, like rolled oil field steel. Um, and I mean, whatever our shop teacher would buy for us is what we we're welding together. That's awesome. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff, the, 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 the funniest thing would be like that we ever did would be like, you know, he'd have a ton of scrap metal, you know, just laying all over the place. And so we just went out one day and tack welded every single piece of scrap metal he had together. So he couldn't pick up anything there. I mean, it ended up turning into like a 450 pound mess of metal that was all stuck together. And he was pretty, he was pretty pissed about that. But, um, so then I went, I went to UT and, um, I w- went in 07 and in 2009 kind of barbecue Renaissance happened and Aaron Franklin emerges with this trailer. And, um, I decided to run a couple of victory laps at school because being a Texas Longhorn is that much fun. And I finally graduate in 2013 and moved back to Houston and I'm living at my parents' house and I was fortunately debt free and I was girlfriend free and didn't have much, much to do except for a part-time job. And so I started cooking barbecue on the weekends and bringing it up to work and giving it out to people. And my, my coworkers loved it. And my friends were loving it. And people were started paying me to. Now, to now do where it. was work? Uh, I actually I worked at the a front desk of a gym here in Houston. Wow. Yeah. So you're bringing you're bringing barbecue to the people at the gym, and they're like, "Damn, I got to work this off now." Yeah, exactly. And so the uh, what what I what I really knew that I was I I kind of had that aha moment. Uh, one of the trainers at the gym was having a Super Bowl party. And he asked me, knew that I, he had known me since I was in high school. And he's like, hey, we want to roast a, a pig. Can you come out to the house and help us And um, uh, for a Super Bowl party we're having? I said, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. I'd be happy to do it. So I, I go out there and I get there like 4 o'clock in the morning and we're roasting the pig all day. And the game comes on, and at that point I'm tired and I'm ready to go. And he stops me on the way out and he you know, hands me some cash which I, I was not expecting. And I get in my truck, and I like count a couple hundred bucks. And I like had this epiphany moment where I'm like, Oh my God, I can make money cooking meat and doing something that I love. And like for me, a couple hundred bucks at that time was a hell was more money than I made in a week at my job. And, wow. um, it was just like, I, I got my parents on the phone and said, Hey, I, you know, if I shop around, it's getting, you know, it's going into springtime. I can do pig roasts for people and they can pay me a few hundred bucks. And each weekend I could, you know, make some money. And that ended up turning into my boss sitting me down at my work. It happens to be a friend of the family and saying, hey, you have, you're talented at this. You need, you need to try to make a run at it. I was 24. I took all the money that I'd saved and I bought a little trailer and I started pulling around, got my social media going. And that's how Pinkerton's Barbecue started. So, uh, two and a half years in the trailer, and then uh, we've been open here three and a half years. And we're about to open our second location in San Antonio and um, next fall. Your your location in Houston is interesting to me because I, I feel like most of the really good barbecue in Houston before you opened was extreme suburbs. It was it was you know had to you had to drive a ways and and you kind of had to be on that side of town to get to it. Yours you can get there what seven eight minutes from downtown which is unbelievable. One thing that I always um, try to tell people when they, when they come over here and so it's an interesting area. Why'd you pick here? I mean, one, it's in an area of Houston, right on the edge of the Heights, which is, is a, is a, is a, is a cool neighborhood full of 
uh, young people. And um, but the other thing is, working downtown, it, it's weirdly it, it only takes like seven minutes to get to the restaurant. So um, it's, it's well positioned to get a lunch crowd and a dinner crowd. Yeah, and and for those who don't live in Houston, you don't get anywhere in Houston in seven minutes, ever. Right. So. Yeah, and it, it's funny when I, I've had people come here and they're like, "Oh yeah, you're you're on the you're uh, on the north side of Houston." I'm like, "No, I, I'm I'm pretty much in as middle of Houston as you can get." That's exactly right. And San Antonio is a great spot to to expand to also because there there's some good barbecue in San Antonio, but I, it's not. There's not really that iconic spot. There's nothing that's like there's nothing between the more super high end and Cheney type stuff. So right, it seems like a great great opportunity for you there. Yeah, and we'll be right downtown, which will be awesome for um, you know Final Four, Alamo Bowl, um, and just their general convention traffic. It's that's kind of like a whole customer base that we don't really have here in Houston. Um, you know, Houston is about the local people supporting you and, and, and showing you love. And then in a place like that, it's kind of like Austin, you know, that's how Austin can support so many great barbecue places because there's so many people traveling to Austin all the time that when you go stand in a line in, in Austin, half or more than half of the people waiting in line are from out of town. Yeah. Uh, it's and and the more and more just keep popping up, it seems like, and, you know, and, and the line at, at at Franklin hasn't gotten any shorter in, in all these years, which should tell you something, but uh, let, let's talk about your time in Austin because you, you are a huge Texas Longhorns fan. And so you had, you had an interesting period when you were there because you had, you got there, they're really good. Uh, but they, Vince Young has won the national title and then you come then and they're about to, to make another run at a national title game. How tough was that to watch when Colt got hurt for you? I'm going to be completely honest at that point. And I've been a Longhorns fan since I've been a baby. It was like, I will never take that for granted ever again, because I figured when when Colt got hurt, it was really depressing. But at the same time, we'd been in the national championship, like two years before that, or, you know, no, four years before that. And we're in, you know, all that stuff. I'm like, Oh, we'll, we'll be back. well, (laughs) <laughs> still sitting nope. here waiting exactly <laughs> well, i said i that was my i'm sure there are a lot of alabama fans out there right now enjoy where you are well that, that that's your ghost from the future talking to you um but it was it was one of those it was a, it was a strange time for me to be in school because like i said when i came in it was like you know texas football was pedal to the metal on a hundred you know and um Oh nine happened and the national championship game. And then the next year, you know, it was Garrett Gilbert. And then it was like a, it was like a hiccup that turned into a burp. And then, and then we kind of, we've been, you know, trying to get the boat rolling the right row in the right direction since, you know, it, it was, it was the, the highest peak and approaching the lowest value of, of the program in program history. It is it is so strange that it's happened. And from the outside, we just would look at it and say, oh, how can they not just win every year? How can they not have the best players and they have all the resources? How, how can they not win 11, 12 games every season? It's not that easy. I mean, I go back and look, and other than the first 10 years of Mac, you know, you, you have to go back to Daryl Royal to find that kind of success. So it's it's 
hasn't historically been that easy. But I, I'm curious, you know, you've been one a Longhorns fan since birth. Who is your favorite Texas Longhorn of all time? Oh, man, that is a great question. Um, hmm, I think every Longhorn, I mean, Vince Young, it's got to be. Watching him play football was, like, mesmerizing for me. You well, know? you're a and Houston I, guy, too, so that's. And know. I saw him play in high school, and so I, I have vivid memories of, like, my dad and I going to the Astrodome to watch Madison play and talking about like, Oh, he's going to be, he, you know, he, I think he might go to Texas, blah, blah, blah. And then when he was a, you know, commit, you know, going just that whole kind of, it was, it's, it was, it was really special to see that that happen. Um, I also loved, um, like the, Nathan Basher and, and Quentin were there. That was like when I was younger and like those games against Nebraska where those guys playing and Derek Johnson, like, uh, and I had a, a, a picture of, um, uh, those guys in my locker, uh, when I was in like fifth grade. I mean, I, I was all about it. it so what, what's it like now? I mean, it, this is a, a strange time because obviously pretty good in 2018 and it looks like they're on the verge of something special and then sort of back to what you guys had unfortunately gotten used to. So, so where, where are you at right now on them? Um, well, I don't know if you've noticed this, but we were at every single game home and away last year. I did notice that. <laughs> so I picked the wrong year to do that, but you know, it was the way my life schedule worked out. I, I was able to accomplish that goal. So I saw it all in person. So you're asking the right guy. Um, I'm kind of in a, I don't like to get too high or too low. You know, I, I'm, I like to think of myself as pretty realistic. The Sugar Bowl season was, that was pretty neat. You know, it, if you're a Longhorns fan, you get a lot of shit talked to you about the Notre Dame, your back moment or whatever it was. And then the, the Sugar Bowl season was actually more of like, okay, dusting off the book, like, okay, I remember what it's like to actually win some games. You know, not not end the season kind of like glad that it's over. And then last year, it kind of like, uh, I don't know, this season can go multiple ways, and then it kind of started unraveling. But I think, you know, if you're a Horns fan, you need to focus on the little things that you're going to look for for improvement and then back your way into your expectations on the win, on, in the win total. And I think the thing that everybody needs to concentrate on is if you're seeing really good player development, if the player development is there, everything else is going to take care of the rest. Yeah. And, and you've got a quarterback. That's the other thing the, the, exactly. that's, you know, a lot of those late, you know, latter day Mac years, it was okay. Who's the quarterback? You know, I, I think if Ash hadn't had the concussion issues, that might not have been as big of an issue. And, and in fact, Mike, you know, Mac might still be coaching there. But it just it, it never could really solidify around one guy, and it feels like Sam is that guy. So you know, that's what I I like Sam a lot. I, I hope he does have a good senior year. Uh, I feel like this is you know this is what they've been building to, and uh, we'll see. I mean, the the, the new coordinators are, are good dudes. They know what they're doing. So it, it should be a should be an interesting year. But I, I'm curious now. Okay, so 
we are taping this on on Saturday afternoon. Your wedding was supposed to be tonight. Yeah, what, what a few do you, hours. What, what do you do now? Do you wait until gatherings can happen again? Well, so we had our marriage license. I got it before. I, I thought maybe everything would shut down, so we had the marriage license. So I asked my fiance if she wants to just go sign the marriage license and you know, be technically married and then kind of have a pretend wedding and stuff like that after. And she said no. And so she wants to do the whole whole deal. And so I said, that's fine. I know, Lisa, I know you're not marrying me just for my no money. So um, <laughs> otherwise you would have jumped for, on For that. my restaurant concept that I came up with this week? Right. And I said, so you, you've passed your first test. Um, so we, we moved the wedding into the summer. And, of course, like a week later, we're like, oh, God, maybe that's not long enough. And I said, look, if by July 11th we can't have the wedding out in the middle of the hill country, which is very rural, I said, either the world's crumbling or at that point, either the world's crumbling or people are like, I'm over this, and they will come. I said, but I don't think we're going to be quarantined until July. I don't think yeah, we, people will handle that. There, there's probably not a, a happy medium there. I think you're right on that. And I also think given the temperatures in that part of the world in July, and I say this as someone who got married in July in Gainesville, Florida, back in 2001, uh, I don't know that anything can survive, even viruses, no, at that, at that temperature. So, so we've added like a, a Thursday activity. So we had Luke and Bach, which is a very famous dance hall in Texas, rented, rented out, and we had a uh, a guy come into play named Roger Crager, and uh, then Friday we, our wedding was going to be on this two hundred acre ranch out in out in the hill country. And so I said, "Well, look, the new theme is bigger and better. So Thursday we need to have everybody flying early, and we'll bus everybody down to the Guadalupe River, and we'll do a huge flow trip on Thursday. So it'll be oh, Thursday's a flow trip, Friday's the dance hall, and Saturday's a ranch wedding." I said, "We'll so- just make this a blowout." I was going to say this is this is keg in the middle of the uh, of the tube as you float. Exactly. Yes. Perfect. Exactly. It feels yeah, we good only to... had one rule through this whole process, and that was we will not get married during football season. And God bless you for with, that. Even with the pandemic, it was never an option in our household, and that's why one of the many reasons I love my fiance. I was going to say that that again proves that you you chose wisely, but test yes, number it, two. <laughs> it feels really good to dream about when all this stuff can happen again. I, that's the one thing I, I think that I've noticed the most is is how much I took for granted. Like being able to go to a barbecue place and have them ask, you know, lean or fatty, and and being able to point to it and say, I, or and being able to sit with your friends and talk and and that's what I miss. That more than anything. So I, I hope we can get back to that. But I'm curious when things do get back to normal, uh, if this, what you've done this week has worked, is that something you may try to continue or, or maybe something you try to spin off into another, perhaps another concept? Yes. Um, maybe I would probably say maybe spin off into another concept. We just, we, I, I always, try to tell people I'm like the the volume that we do out of our current restaurant spaces is another thing think about two parking spots and that's the size of our kitchen 
I, I've seen it. <laughs> it's it is very small, and and yeah. I mean you've got the obviously you've got the the smoker out at back, but still, it is. Yeah, you you couldn't you couldn't function that way for very long if that's what you were doing. No, like like I said, I try to tell people why we don't normally do breakfast tacos here. I'm like, well, that's because every inch of that kitchen is taken up making the 30 gallons of potato salad and beans and everything for that day, you know, of each item. I said, we don't have any, we literally don't even have table space to do that. So I think a spinoff, you know, is, you know, that, uh, the, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, innovation. So um, what works here, you know, if it's great and we get great response, then man, you bet. And then, and then San Antonio is set up much more friendly to do short order items. So some of this stuff will be on like a bar menu there where you can just go to the bar and order a few things like after four o'clock and come out where you can eat while you drink. Like probably those wings will be there. Nice. And we'll definitely have breakfast tacos there in the morning as well. Well, the, the breakfast taco thing is, is crucial. I mean, I just, I love breakfast tacos. You guys have them in Texas. You have places who make them that it's, it's a thing that, that people can just go get in Florida. Nobody does it. And so I, I hope that, that you have massive success with that and it catches on throughout the rest of the country because brisket tacos are unbelievable. They are. They're really great, especially with like a spicy homemade green salsa. Mm, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's I, the first time I'd ever had brisket tacos for breakfast was uh, I was covering something up at Jerry World and um, Meet You Anywhere, the place in Grapevine by DFW. They just, they open up at seven in the morning. I was like, why is the barbecue place opening up at seven in the morning? And to get brisket tacos. And so I just, I planted right. my flag there at about 7.30 and I, didn't, I don't think I left about 10. Yeah. And they can put you down before you even get your day going. You know, you can get yourself into it's a true. real tight spot with breakfast with good brisket breakfast tacos. It it is true, but it, but it is it is because you can get your your nappy feeling the the nap feeling out of the way at about nine ten a.m. Power <laughs> exactly. through that, and then and then you're ready to function past noon. So that's right. that's the way I look at it. So yeah, that's that's exactly right. Um, that's why we couldn't do this interview at ten o'clock in the morning. That's exactly right. Yeah, we we both would have been. See, I'm doing the intermittent fasting right now, so I can't even have breakfast tacos right now. I I, I don't eat until eleven or noonish, and I did, I didn't eat today today till one thirty p.m. So, uh, but it's working. I'm down down twenty pounds. So, the the, the, key, the key is I can eat whatever the hell I want in those eight hours, and so right. I don't I don't miss out on things like ribs and like I, I I'm smoking. I'm smoking a pork butt tomorrow just to have, you know, it's, you, it's amazing if you just have pulled pork on hand, you can do a lot of different right. things. <laughs> so I make pulled pork salads. I'm making dirty rice so I can do pulled pork and dirty rice. So I, I'm, I'm ready, but you know, I, I, you will have a line cook in me when this is over, by the way, cause I'm cooking just about every day, Grant. And, uh, I don't know how the writing stuff's gonna, gonna go as, as we go <laughs> forward. So if you need a new line cook when all this is over for the, for the new concept, I'll work on my meatloaf. I'll work on all the other stuff, and I'll be ready to roll. I like it. I have one question for you. What with the with the dearth of sports right now, what is you know what is the uh, 
what is the current state of, of sports journalism and what, what are people doing? We are calling pitmasters and talking to them for podcasts. That's what we're doing. Yeah. No, I, I, well, that's we're, more educated than sports. That, well, we're, I am trying to my, – my idea is in most cases give people an escape. So we've done a lot of, you know, uh, here, are the, here are the best sports books I've read in case you're looking for something to read. Uh, I did a, a thing where uh, 10 games that are available in their entirety on YouTube that you should watch as a college football fan that you could just, you know, you've got plenty of time, so go watch them. Uh, and then, you know, you try to, to stay current with what's going on. Uh, for example, you know, none of the players are on campus right now, so their strength coaches can't give them workouts there. They don't have access to weights. A lot of them are home and, and can't go to the gym or anything. So we asked some strength coaches, okay, what are you telling your players to do to work out during this time? And we got some suggestions and, and me and Nicole Auerbach, one of our other writers did some of the workouts. I ended up, I'm, I ended up pushing my truck, uh, to, to get a good, you know, O lineman workout. And so I haven't sent the film to coach hand, but I think it, he would be very upset that I was a little bit too high. Yeah. It's a, uh, it is a weird time with no sports. It is, it is so bizarre. And, you know, it just, we think it's, we think it's inessential and, and, you know, in a time like this with the, where there's something very serious going on in the world, it is, inessential but in terms of for for our own mental health and for us being able to get together and have things to talk about and share and and just have this this shared experience we need sports i I mean i i can't wait till sports are back it it breaks my heart that i should be watching elite eight games tonight and there are no elite eight games right no it's, it's it's totally true i mean we are a huge sports family we sit around and watch sports all the time and, you know, for me, sports and for all of us, sports is an escape. And, um, you know, there's nothing like coming home from work and clicking on the game and just getting lost in nine innings of baseball or four quarters of football and just kind of forgetting about the other stuff that's going on. And to have to go and going through this kind of crazy pandemic without that relief is 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 kind of a weird experience. Yeah. I mean, the real world sucks normally. And, and sports right. helps us get through it. Now the real world really sucks and we don't have sports. So I, yeah, I, I'm praying it, you know, we, we get it back, we get back to normal and, and everybody stays as safe as they possibly can. But I also, uh, I, I'm glad that, that you're out there innovating and making sure that, that your business stays afloat. And next time I'm in Houston, I am, I am killing the wings. I am, I am eating at least 30 possibly 40. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing you. Thank you, Grant Pinkerton. I appreciate it so much. And uh, that wedding is going to happen. And I I want a full report from the the float and the dance hall. And of course, we need to know what gets served at the, at the reception. Oh, I have, I will, uh, I got, I got some good stuff coming for that. All right. Thank you so much, Grant. All right. Bye. Thanks. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, if you're not already subscribing to The Athletic, you can go to theathletic.com slash Andy Staples and get 40% off your first year. That's theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. We back to actual football on Wednesday. We'll see if it intersects with the outside world or not. Probably will a little bit, but again, if we keep talking about football, 
Eventually, it's going to come back. At least I hope so. I'll talk to you Wednesday. Thank you.